Um, hello, hello. This is How Come Season 2, Episode Helen Fisher. Yep. Dr. Helen Fisher. Yeah. She's done everything. She's PhD in biological anthropology. She's a senior research fellow at the Kinsey Institute. Mm-hmm. She's also been the chief scientific advisor for Match.com for over a decade. This woman does it all. Everything. I don't know how. <laughs> how come? How come? How come I can't achieve? How come I can't achieve? I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm rolling up my sleeves. Oh, baby, I believe these guests can help. Because I can't do it by myself. I want to just... Welcome, Dr. Helen Fisher. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank you. So excited Mm -hmm. to have you here. I'm delighted to be with you. We know what you've done. Our listeners don't. So I guess if you just want to kind of go into what you've studied and your major findings, that would be cool. Well, there's a lot of them, so stop me at any time. But I I generally start by saying that uh, we're the first in the world to put people who are madly in love into a brain scanner Mm. and study the brain circuitry of romantic love. It's one of the most powerful systems that the human animal has ever evolved. I mean, we pine for love, we live for love, we kill for love, and we die for love. It's one of the most powerful brain systems the human animal has ever evolved. I think it's one of three different um, brain systems that together evolved for mating and reproduction. Mm -hmm. Sex drive being one, feelings of intense romantic love being the second, and feelings of deep attachment being the third. So we've done a lot of experiments with people who have just fallen madly and happily in love, with people who've just been dumped, rejected in love, with people who are in love long term, and you can remain in love, mm-hmm. not just loving, but in love long term, And but you got to pick the right person. So I started studying personality, the basic biology of personality, and why it is that you're naturally drawn to some people rather than others. You know, people will say, well, we have chemistry mm-hmm. or we don't have chemistry. What do they mean by that? You know, I know there's all kinds of cultural things that draw you to one person rather than another, but I think I wondered whether there was biology that drew you to other people too. So I created a questionnaire. We can go into all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now been taken by 14 million people in uh, 40 countries uh, through Match.com. So that's, that's, that's some of the basics. I also do a lot of studies with Match um, about uh, uh, people today, I, I'm assuming both of you guys are millennials. Mm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love us or hate us. I love you guys. I just, I am so impressed with millennials. Really? Are, yes. Oh, cool. For, for yeah, many years. We're impressed with us, yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> Good, keep at it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, but anyway, I, I, I do an annual study with Match called Singles in America. Mm-hmm. And we don't um, poll the Match members. It has nothing to do with Match. We poll the American public. So it's a representative sample of Americans based on the U.S. Census. So we got the right number of blacks, whites, Asian, Latino, gay, mm-hmm. straight, rural, suburban, urban, every part of the country, and every age group from age 18 to 71 plus. But I've really spent a lot of time looking at you guys, at millennials. Well, that's good, because Charlotte yeah. has a, a lot of questions about our practices and if that's affecting I love do. today. Good. But I, I, I mean, I was struck the first thing uh, that I learned when you said that love is not an emotion, it's a drive. Yes. Um, and that it's more powerful uh, at, than addiction. It is an it addiction. It is an addiction. Yeah. Right. In fact, the addiction centers become activated. It's a very powerful right. addiction. I mean, people kill for love. Yeah. And they kill themselves over love. Right. You know, most alcoholics don't kill themselves uh, when they can't get a drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. uh, people uh, tend to kill themselves when they can't get a sweetheart. And everywhere in the world, I mean, we have data on over 200 societies. Mm-hmm. Everywhere in the world, people feel this. And it evolved for very important reasons to, mm-hmm. you know, to drive you to, um, you know, cast everything to the wind and fall in love with one person. And do animals kill for love too? Because you said that animals definitely have favoritism and yeah. that they do love. Yeah. Like when they're fighting in the wild, like two rams are locking horns or something and maybe, yeah. is that technically like a crime of passion? That's a really smart question. Nobody's ever asked me that. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly is a form of it. I mean, when you think of it, mm-hmm. um, first of all, this basic brain system, as you said, is basically a drive. Mm-hmm. It's way below the cortex where you do your thinking. It's way below the limbic regions in the middle of the head where you express your emotions. All of that's involved, but it comes out of the most primitive parts of the brain that we share. We share that right. with all of the this mammals. Is like basic brain stem. Basic yeah. brain stem things. You know what? The basic brain region... Um, 
associated with romantic love lies very close to brain regions uh, uh, that orchestrate thirst and hunger. So oh, thirst and wow. hunger get you uh, uh, to survive today. Their and needs. romantic love, yes, it's a need. Need. It's, uh, uh, romantic love enables you to, you know, pass your DNA into tomorrow. So uh-huh. it is a need. As a matter of fact, you know, I read a lot of poetry because... Uh, uh, around it's a wonderful artifact. I mean, other anthropologists study arrowheads or potsherds, and mm-hmm. but poetry is a wonderful uh, artifact of the emotions and of all the poetry it's around like a the time world. Capsule. It is. It's yeah. great. And um, when you said that about need, of all the poems that I've read, I like best uh, Plato's uh, description in the Symposium of Love, mm-hmm. and he and he said the God of Love lives in a state of need mm-hmm. it is a need it is a homeostatic imbalance it is a craving and in fact we found activity as you as you mentioned mm-hmm. in brain regions directly associated with all of the addictions not just the um, substance addictions but the behavioral addictions like gambling right. or eating or or whatever so it's a basic uh, I wouldn't I don't know how many people in jail today are there because of romantic love. But I would guess, I mean, a lot of these All those women in Chicago. He had it coming. (laughs) You know, (laughs) they killed. (laughs) I was wondering if it's such a a fundamental need, right? The way food is water. Yeah. What if, and this this sounds so sad. Oh, (laughs) I'm so sorry. Yeah. What if you never fall in love? What if you, I guess that's very unlikely, but what if someone does break your heart? What do you do? Is there anything that's like actionable advice to get back? Because yeah, you were saying you know it. Absolutely, people kill for love. They right. so what can you do if you're right. devastated? Well, you got to treat it as an addiction. Um, but um, yeah, we put rejected people in the machine, and you know, go back. It, it is an addiction. Yeah, and so you have to treat it as an addiction. So throw out the cards and letters. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't write. Uh, don't call. Don't show up at the person's place at work. Don't. I mean, there's somebody camping in your head. Yeah, you got. I turned my ex-boyfriend's name in Gmail to don't. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> if I were to email him and also that's his phone number, beautiful. don't. I made a folder on my computer for all the photos of us. Don't. Mm-hmm. Eventually, that's really mature. That I once changed an ex to a stupid fuckface. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works. Pal. Don't is better. Well, mine was just don't. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just a guy dumped me a few years ago, and um, I mean, I sat on the, my bed and cried, no question mm-hmm. about it. But I never called, and I never wrote. Wow. And about two months later, he wrote back, and he said, you know. Um, I think I made a terrible mistake, and I and I'm now still with him, and it's uh, I, about three years later. But oh. the bottom line is, what he learned was that I'm Helen so glad Fisher. I didn't call him an a-hole before. <laughs> <laughs> what he learned is that Helen Fisher is not clingy. He can yeah. get rid of me. Yeah. And once you know that somebody can go, then you're more likely to have him stay. You know, as I said to him, I said, just one day at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, just, you know, just, I mean, there's plenty. Anyway, but what do you do? Uh, you get rid of the cards and letters. Don't write. Don't yeah. call. Don't show up. I mean, play music to kill yourself by, but don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk about need, though, because the, thi- the coolest thing I think I ever said to my boyfriend was, I don't need you. I just want you. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. And he right. said, well, that's great. And I said in my head, well, I'm lying. <laughs> 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 because I've literally referred to him as human Prozac. Mm-hmm. Like and That's you were you were talking about oh it's a drug addiction and we're sitting in bed together and I looked at him and I said I've called you human Prozac like mm-hmm. I literally have had moments where I'm so overcome with like emotion I don't know what to do and he calms me mm-hmm. so what do you like I guess it's like being on an antidepressant a breakup when you go off it mm-hmm. well I too. mean the thing is um, absolutely yeah well, um, I mean. Um, get exercise that drives up the dopamine system mm-hmm. in the brain get hugs and everything from all your friends that yeah. drives up the oxytocin yeah. system and it's makes like replacing you feel it rather than better from yeah that source. Um, but what you you know um, go do new things any kind of novelty drives up the dopamine system makes you feel you're not going to feel well for a while mm-hmm. but um, uh, you know who wants to be with somebody forever who doesn't want them I mean oh. it's just not a it's not practical particularly when if you're young anytime anytime no there's right. other boys out there yeah and there's girls 
Personality girls. and girls. And people. And these days <laughs> <laughs> and these days with all these dating sites, and I don't they're not even dating sites. These are introducing sites. Introducing sites. Yeah. yeah. Why do you call them that rather than dating sites? Because um the only real algorithm is your own brain. You've got to get out and meet them. I mean I work with Match and I've done it, thank you, for, for thirteen years now. And I can give you somebody from New York yeah. who's within five miles, who's the same general age, who had as much education, who has a lot of the interest. But, you know, you can walk into a room and everybody's from your background, mm-hmm. level of education, level of good looks, uh, same religious values, same social and reproductive goals, and you don't fall in love with all of them. So we can give you people who are in the ballpark, but you have to get out and meet them. It's one of the reasons that I like Tinder, mm. because uh, the average period of time that um, that uh, uh, between actually swiping talking right to meeting and is, is six days. Whereas yeah. um, a lot of the other things, they stay on. That's the one thing. Match knows. They all know that you stay on these. People stay on these mm-hmm. sites too long. And the longer you stay on, the less likely you are to ever meet the person. Mm-hmm. Well, we were talking before because you have um, what's called slow love oh, that goody. you've talked about. Yes. And Charlotte and I were saying, do we think slow love is a good thing or is it a, a bad? Like, is it like, and for those of you who don't, know about it it's just the fact that we're taking more time to take more inventory of people to really get to know them um my favorite line was marriage isn't the beginning anymore it's the end yeah. it's the finale it's the finale yeah. yeah um but like i think that's where did you get that from a ted talk or yeah from on a TED talk. oh good yeah good, good. and i um i was thinking about it in regards to dating sites you can't do slow love on a dating site because you're going to eventually find out something that lets you off the hook to see that person like I've done the dating sites you can find somebody as you were saying who could be perfect for you and then he just he says something that's weird yeah, in this thing exactly. and you're like you know what the last three weeks nah, throw them away I can keep swiping for somebody else because you haven't met and you don't have that face-to-face attraction you've not smelled their pheromones which we need to talk about too right. we have so many things to talk but, about yeah good. <laughs> um but yeah, I think I think that's why Tinder is good is because it's a hookup app. And it's not you, actually a hookup app. Or, I know the sociologist. Or that's what it's it's meant. That's what is supposed. That's yeah. what people, people think, think it, it is. is. Yeah. But you know what? There was a good data on it that um, over eighty percent of the people, even on Tinder, and I don't represent Tinder anyway. I don't represent any of them. I'm I'm I'm, I'm a consultant. Yeah. But um, but eighty uh, percent um, of the people are actually looking for some sort mm-hmm. of relationship. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's the hookup culture, but nobody's hooking up. It's right. remarkable how how they just sit sex. in bed and swipe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your your generation is you know very unsexual. You, you're are familiar. we very unsexual? Oh, yeah. The least. A, oh, <gasps> yes, much less sexual than ours, than mine. The Whoa. baby boomers. In fact, yeah. there was a big article in the Atlantic uh, this past week. But I've known that for for years i thought we were so sexy except the incels i know they're not well (laughs) (laughs) well the bottom line is people have the more sex when they are in a relationship Mm -hmm. and the millennials are doing this slow love bit and when you know so you might have one hookup with a guy and then decide it's not right and i want to talk more about slow love but going back to this thing about uh, dating sites Mm -hmm. it's a new technology and when you have a new technology, you have to learn how to use it. Mm-hmm. And uh, people do not. So there's two things that I say that you really need to learn to use this technology. One of them is think of reasons to say yes, mm-hmm. because the brain is built to say no. Right. We have this huge oh, brain region linked with what we call negativity bias. So, you know, like you go out on an evening with a whole lot of people and everybody says really nice things. And one person says, oh, God, what did you do to your hair? Mm-hmm. What do you remember? Mm-hmm. Just the bad comment. For millions of years, it was adaptive to rem- remember the negative. So when you meet, when you just are online with somebody and you've just met them, you have so few things to go by mm-hmm. that one tiny little thing will set you into liking them more right. or liking them a whole lot less. So I say, get past that. Just get past it. Go meet them. That's number one. Mm-hmm. Then the second and equally important thing is the brain can't cope with too many options. You know, we've got this sweet spot between five and nine. And so after you've met nine people, um, stop Mm. and get to know one or more of them better. Because all the data show that the more you get to know somebody, the more you like them and the more you think that they are like you. And if you keep on swiping, you're going to get into this endless cycle of having one night stands with people, one night dates, can't remember who they are, got to take a list out. It just It's not the way the brain works. That's what we were talking about. We were trying to find this balance between slow love, 
you know, really finding out about a person. And then the idea of cognitive overload, not even just with love, but has been shown with toothpaste even. You walk into a store and there are just too many options. You don't really attach to any of them because it's just too much. Mm -hmm. So That's the original research. It was was jam. And there's something like 50, uh, 74 types of jam and nobody bought any. And then when they put out something like 12 types of jam or I don't even fewer, Mm -hmm. uh, people bought jam. And they Uh. were found to be happier with the one they picked. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, Mm -hmm. if you have a phone plan or something for... um, one year and you can switch every year, you are less happy with the plan than if you're locked into a five-year plan. It's with so a different interesting. One. Yeah. You know, it's interesting just getting to, you know, and it's so, you know, I remember one night, uh, one day, you know, I was, he was a fancy man in New York, but God, he was short, he was fat, he was getting <laughs> bald. And I, he was walking across Central Park and I said, why, why do I bother, you know? And then three weeks later, I was madly in love with them because oh. you know you spend the time with the person, you get to know them, you understand their their sense of humor, their, whether they're kind, whether they're interesting, da 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 da. So you got to give people a chance. Yeah. Think of reasons to say yes. That um, I saw in your studies, basically, people who have better relationships or can stay in love for long term were ones who were less judgmental. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah. What if you're naturally a judgmental person? You know, our our dad. Yeah, what do we do? <laughs> <laughs> our dad. You know, keep your standards high. That it's, kind of thing. It's always on your brain. How do you not let the the warning signs kind of yeah bad well I you? guess be aware of it. You know, lower your standards. I mean, be be aware of it. You know, there's something called positive illusions. The ability to overlook what you don't like about somebody. You know, when I put people into the brain scanner who were in love long term. And we gave them a lot of questionnaires, including one on happiness. And um, those people who were really happy and also in a long-term relationship showed activity in three brain regions. Mm-hmm. A brain regions uh, linked with overlooking what you don't like about the person, brain region linked with empathy, and a brain region linked with controlling your own stress and your own emotions. So for an example in my life, um, I had a guy, I lived with him for 18 years. We broke up about four years ago. Mm-hmm. He was so slow. Oh, my God. <laughs> He walks so slowly. He talks so slowly. He sh- we talk with his eyes shut. I mean, he, <laughs> he he was so slow. But we would go up to the mat and look at a painting, paintings, and at dinner he would talk so smartly uh-huh. about what he saw. And at night, I always picked a book. He must have read read uh, over read me all of Shakespeare, read me all of Ibsen, read me a, a lot of uh, Dickens. Even read me The Magic Mountain. I mean, just long, yeah. long books. Because he had that same slowness, gave him a patience to really, uh, you know, brought enrich mm-hmm. my life. So I would say to myself, "Okay, Helen, he's slow, but look what that is getting you. Yeah, it's getting you so much. And so that's what you got. You got to turn lemons into lemonade. You can't yeah. overlook it. You know when you don't." like something about well, somebody also but you got to think of what 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 does that bring you yeah. yeah our dad has always said the famous richard burton quote love oh. is the highest degree, degree of, of tolerance. tolerance oh that's yeah. nice which yeah. is like a little pessimistic but right. it's also true and our mom always says the same thing when we're like i don't know if i want to break up with this boy i don't know if i'm happy she goes make a pros and cons list yeah because only you can make that list it's not who this person is on paper it's who they are to you so one of my pros is, you know, physical affirmation or, 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 you know, like giving me compliments or whatever. That's not going to be on everybody's list. But if your pros weigh the con- weigh outweigh the cons, right. then that's tolerance. And I right. guess that's love, too. Yeah. Well, you want to be madly in love with somebody so you don't even notice them. But right. the- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so you want to keep up all three brain systems, sex drive, romantic love and feelings of attachment. I mean, you mm-hmm. want to go to novel things together with the person regularly after years of being together mm-hmm. because that drives up the dopamine system, can sustain feelings of romantic love. Mm-hmm. You want to stay in touch. That drives up the oxytocin system. That's the attachment system. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm opposed to watching television in two separate chairs. Get rid of the chairs and sit on the couch together. Right. You know, walk arm in arm, hold hands, kiss kiss regularly. Mm-hmm. Uh, learn to sleep in the person's arm. At least start the night uh, that way. Yeah. Lie in bed in the afternoon or before you can come, you know, when you come home at night to discuss what's going on in the day because all of that touch drives up oxytocin. Yeah. So absence doesn't really make the heart grow fonder all the time. It depends. It yeah. depends on the person and, and where they are in their relationship and all well, that. Well, isn't absence withdrawal? 
Mm. It can be, you know, so that you so want the person you need to more. get your fix. Yeah. 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 Um, and we have sex regularly. I mean, sex is good for you. It's good for the immune yeah. system. Uh, it, um, um, uh, it's good for heart rate and respiration and blood pressure. It promotes sleep. It brings oxygen to the brain. So it many promotes benefits. happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, uh, I was, I just had this interview this morning about, about that. And, uh, Americans are very sex negative. We, we talk Super a big game. Super sex negative. Yeah. We're a puritanical society. We, we are. Yeah. We really are. And it comes actually, I think, from the Christian background. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Jewish background is much more uh, akin to having 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 sex. And in Asia, they don't relate, um, link sex with sin. Mm-hmm. And the Christian religion has long related it with sin. So we, But we're coming around. Uh, yeah. We're expressing their sexuality more. Yeah. I do want to talk more about slow love at some point. Yeah. Oh, definitely. No, I mean, I think slow love is... It's the way. I think it's good. I do too. Yeah. Well, what it is, is, I mean, you know, instead of jumping, you might hop into bed Mm -hmm. right off the bat. um, And I think that's basically a sex interview. Mm -hmm. I mean, to see whether you, you learn a lot between the sheets about somebody. Um, But what, what what I'm really seeing is starting, a lot of people are starting out with just friends. Mm -hmm. And then they're moving into friends with benefits. And then they are slowly telling friends and relatives. And then they're slowly moving in together. Have you and met my boyfriend? Did he tell you? <laughs> <laughs> you can meet mine. Yeah. <laughs> years. Yeah. I'm always like, uh, we've been together. Well, I've been with him for four. He's been with me for three. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> but what's so interesting is, I mean, Americans think that's reckless. Mm-hmm. Um, but the bottom line is that began to occur to me, no, this is not reckless. Yeah. This is caution. Yeah. These days, the young want to know every single thing about a mm-hmm. per- person before they tie the knot. And so my thought was, well, okay, that gives them a lot more time to... Uh, to uh, practice getting rid of what they don't want. Yeah. Um, practicing at sex, practicing at meeting relatives together and having discussions and et cetera, et cetera, and getting rid of what you don't want. So I figured, okay, if that's the case, all these extra years of sort of practice, mm-hmm. maybe by the time you walk down the aisle, you know who you got. You yeah. think you you know who you want who you got and you think you can keep who you got. So to answer your yeah. question of some time ago, you asked, you know, uh, what would be the benefit of all this? I decided what I would do is I would do a study of 1,100 married people mm. who had these long, you know, pre-commitment stage in their relationship and ask them a lot of questions. But one of the questions was, would you remarry the person you're currently married to? And 81% said yes. So well, I think as we insane. marry later, in fact, I've looked at divorce in 80 cultures through the demographic yearbooks of the United Nations. And as it turns out, the later you marry, the more likely you are to remain married. And that's what you guys are doing. Suck it, nanny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go for it. She can hear you. Oh, my God. <laughs> um there was one thing. Okay, so you actually made me very optimistic for love as well as scared. Um, in one of the, your studies, you said that we weren't built to be happy, right? Um, which I was like, ah. But then <laughs> you said that the divorce rate is going, is stabilizing and maybe right. even going down, which I never even thought that was like a, a possibility. <laughs> I was like, oh no, yeah. divorce rates go up and then everyone just gets divorced more mm-hmm. like I don't I don't know why I just never thought it would be a cyclical or you know thing and you talked about two key contributing factors and one was that we're living longer so people right. can get have these longer relationships and then the other one was women are going back into the workforce right. which was really interesting to me instead of women are going into the workforce because I always thought no we've always been having babies no apparently Right. You you can say it best. You guys yeah. are good interviewers. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, you, you, your father did did some good times in bed with your mother. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> at yeah, least at least two of them. Cut them up <laughs> nice. <laughs> anyway, um, yes. Uh, first of all, uh, the divorce rate uh, peaked in um, 1981, mm-hmm. and it's been going down okay. since then. Um, but it's still high. It's in the mid forties, uh, uh, 40, you know, some people say 43%, some say 46%, mm-hmm. some say 50%. I think it's going to continue to stabilize it. It is stable now. 
Um, and uh, for those two reasons. But anyway, uh, we're later marrying later. Yeah. But this very important, it's so interesting because people say, oh, it's technology that's, uh, that's changing everything. It's the real modern social trend mm-hmm. that is changing anything at all is, is women piling into the job market mm-hmm. in cultures around the world. And as you say, again. Yeah. I mean, for millions of years on the grasslands of Africa, you know, women commuted to work to gather their fruits and vegetables. They came home with 60 to 80% of the evening meal. The double-income family was the rule. And women, if they were caught in a bad marriage, they walked out. Yeah. You didn't have yeah. to stay. I didn't know that. You know? I had no idea. And, and as a result, <laughs> in hunting and gathering, yeah, because... We're in a very, um, um, our society is very psychological. Mm-hmm. We're not anthropological. We don't look at the big picture, which is a shame. But anyway, the bottom line is, um, uh, in hunting and gathering societies, because men and women really were economic equals, mm-hmm. um, women, um, both men and women, tended to have two or three long-term marriages during the course of their lives. So there's nothing really new about um, cyclical marriage or right. a series of partnerships, what I call serial uh, pair by series yeah. of partnerships. The problem, of course, these days is we've got so much property that right. we're fighting over everything. And the other thing is we don't live in very solid local communities anymore. Mm-hmm. So in a hunting and gathering society, when there was a divorce, the, the child still had mothers and uh, right. all kinds of friends and relatives it, it wasn't a complete disrupt disruption yeah, yeah whereas now it uproots their it, lives it uproots everybody's life i mean because now i mean this idea of raising a baby by yourself i mean through human evolution that's just, it was just not not, a not an option yeah. you were always in a group you always you know pass the baby to this person and that person they also didn't have more than one cho- child after under the age of four mm-hmm. because of natural birth spacing now I we, like we that can do for that. the baby though because like say like you don't get along with one of your two parents like they just think you're the worst they don't want to <laughs> hang out if you've got six other parents and one of them is like I love that inside kid <laughs> that's exactly right like, it just feels so much better exactly um, and you got answered on now for example I have been sort of the well I've gone out with several men who you know had children by somebody else mm-hmm. well two basically and in both cases they were in their teens when I showed up mm-hmm. and um, I wasn't mother I didn't right. care whether they were wearing socks. I did not care. I yeah. didn't care whether they ate dinner. I cared whether they drove too fast. I cared if they were taking too many drugs or wanted to kill themselves. The kinds of things that they wouldn't tell their parents. Right. And I really enjoyed that role. And it, yeah. And, and um, you know, there's a lot of room for it's people sp- like me. filling a space that, totally. that, yeah. That was there forever right. in the past. I um I started reading Sapiens to see like where we went wrong in human history. Uh-huh. I haven't and, read that book. Oh, it's, uh-huh. you would love it. Okay. Um, but it's essentially when we started farming and stopped hunter gathering, which is like you think of human history as only when we had civilizations and like homes and stuff, and like people talk about caves, but even caves is like a a stable lifestyle where we were nomadic for such a long time, and that's like seventy thousand years ago. Like, you don't think about how human evolution has changed in those times. So all like there's um, we were talking about how uh, you had said women connect by looking at each other yeah. versus men connect the side, by side by side by side. Yes. It was that put in during hunter gathering times. Yes. OK, all so that's no. a long time ago. Right. So for millions of years, women held their baby in front of their face, cajoling it, reprimanding it, educating it with words. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is we swivel till we face to face. We do what's called the anchoring gaze and we talk. So it's intimacy to women. Whereas for millions of years, men sat behind a bush on the grasslands of Africa trying to hit that buffalo in the head with a rock. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't be yakking at each other uh, while they're doing their job. So very often with men, uh, particularly if it's a new person and if he's very high testosterone, I don't look at him very much. Really? I'll stand catty quarter to him huh. or even at his side and even look down while I say something important to him because then he can hear me. Hmm. You know, I mean, for millions of years, men uh, face their enemies. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, they sat side by side with friends. So oh, uh, That is so yeah. interesting. I ho- had always like picked up on that but never knew why, even... Someone I, I dated for a, a very long time. In a car is a good way. Yeah. The they can't perfect, get out. They can't get out. Yeah. And they can't look at you. And you just look So they're forward. comfortable. It's yeah. a perfect place yeah. to talk. It's a good conversation. Yeah. 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 If you want to talk to your boyfriend, you get him in a car. Yeah. <laughs> I do it in a movie house. I'll, I'll drop a bomb right before the movie starts. 
<laughs> We're looking forward. He has time to think about it. Yeah. And um, he knows I'm not expecting any answer because I'm going to look at the movie too. Right. I'll also do it when I'm, we're just walking along uh, side by side because, you know, mm-hmm. it, it drives me crazy, in fact, when people stop and start staring at you. We take our dad on walks. I must be a little about. masculine yeah. because I always said if I was, I was a psych major and I thought if I go into psychology, I want to start a practice where instead of sitting in a chair, you can go on a walk with the person. That's good. Yeah. And I thought. Very that, good with, for men. Yeah. yeah. Very That's, good. I, I don't know for women, you know. Right. But I remember one of my exes would have such too. a hard time looking me in the eye when we would have conversations <laughs> to the extent that I could tell he was staring into one eye. <laughs> well, my guy kept his eyes shut, so you were ahead of me. <laughs> oh, funny. With Ben Carson. <laughs> I'm picturing the way that she's describing him. Um, what's his name? The turtle from Sa- Sex and oh the City, gosh. that episode. Yeah, the one with bad breath. Yeah, and you'd, you'd be the Candace Bergen. Ooh. <laughs> What a great episode. But anyway, women, I mean, that's what's really changing. Um, you know, women are now just as educated mm-hmm. as men. Uh, something like one third of American wives that make more money than their husbands do. Mm-hmm. Um, and under those circumstances, you can walk out of a bad partnership. Yeah. I mean, even 50 years ago, women often, the only career pattern was to marry well. Right. That you guys don't see that at all. Mm-mm. You're, I mean, unlike in the past, you guys are putting off marriage to build career. Right. Whereas in the past, they put off, they got rid of career in order to marry. They might go into work for a couple of years, but then if they got a wedding proposal, they would go home and, yeah. and mm-hmm. marry. So, I just think that um, you guys are being very smart about it. You're being very careful. You don't want to catch feelings if things don't work. <laughs> you don't want to make any promises. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and um, and you and you have all these words for relationships. My, yes. you know, we didn't have so all many. this more uh, than the Eskimos have for ice. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Yeah. And you're marking things. I mean, I we never had the what is it the. Uh, um, define up. the relationship. Exclusive, yeah. but Exclusive. not dating. <laughs> Exclusive, <laughs> but not dating. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? And, and yeah, I mean, we had hookups. We didn't have the name for it. Right. We had friends with benefits, but we didn't have the name for it. You guys are defining everything. And I guess that's... Do you know what, what a palate cleanser is? <laughs> somebody else? Yeah, but somebody you go back to regularly, like between relationships, <laughs> so you can feel normal again. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was someone after a breakup. You just yeah, cleanse the that's palate. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> somebody after the breakup, like like mine is... Like every- <laughs> I got it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we had the uh, thing of a uh, mercy fuck. Yeah, <laughs> a mercy fuck. Uh, Charlotte learned, and I learned about this thing in Berlin that they have um, called... Uh, guilt sex um, that Germans have with Jews because oh my god yeah, yeah. Our, oh my god our tour guide there told us about that apparently it's supposed to be great sex um, <laughs> they're just like we're sorry <laughs> yeah sorry wow um, well whatever but wait you know. so so the way that that sitting side by side and looking into each other's faces that rewired our brain systems to be like okay men and women do interact a little differently is there anything going on right now like technology or something else that could be rewiring our brains now or are we evolved? Um, uh, in, in some ways, it, the, the brain is constantly being rewired mm-hmm. in some ways, but we're talking about very, very primitive yeah. uh, brain systems. I mean, for example, romantic love is going to be around four million years from now. It was around four million years ago and it's around it's going to be around mm-hmm. four million if we survive as a species. But how we express it how we court, mm-hmm. how we express our love, when we love, how we love, where we love, yeah. that changes. And I mean, in my day, they picked me up in my house uh, after dinner and we went parking or we played miniature golf. Mm-hmm. You know, these days, uh, this, you know, this very long, uh, I mean, you're courting, you're, you're using emojis to express emotion. Right. You're using text, you're using emails, you've got... Um, you know, you've got you 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 will go send out send each in other groups, memes. Send yeah. each other. You're memes. not sending me memes. You don't like me. Totally. Exactly. <laughs> you don't respond within ten minutes. You can't. You know. You. I mean, but and along with all this new courtship practices, we're seeing new taboos. Mm-hmm. Now today, um, uh, something like seventy percent of singles do not want you to text or email during a date. They don't want you right. to, to leave your. Uh, cell phone up so they can read it. They don't want you to take your cell phone to the uh, bathroom if you go to the bathroom. They don't mm-hmm. want you to step out and have a cigarette and bring your cell phone. The best thing is to leave it in the car, leave it in your pocket, don't yeah. bring it at all. 
Uh, so, I mean, we're at this very interesting time with this new technology where all kinds of new uh, taboos yeah. and rules are, are, are being developed. Yeah. And uh, I was wondering, I guess, in terms of even this one example of sitting side by side versus making eye contact, it almost feels like because women are the disenfranchised group that it's sort of our job to orient to how men operate. Like you were saying, mm -hmm. when you're with a certain mm -hmm. men, you'll look straight ahead rather than in the eye. Do we kind of for a little bit have to go to their level of operation? Mm -hmm. But don't we go to other people's level of operation with women too? Yeah. I mean, I'm bending over backwards all kind yeah. with all kinds of women. I mean, I go and do a whole lot of things with women that I don't feel like doing. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I want the friendship and uh, I end up having a good time and all that. But no, I, I think that we're animals that is that uh, what we call is equilibrate. We we are constantly sensing, you know, what's necessary for this particular. Now, some people are better than others. I mean, let's talk about personality. You know, some people, I mean, I, I think we've evolved four very broad styles of thinking and behaving linked with the dopamine, serotonin, testosterone, yes. and estrogen. Oh, I system. love glad this we part. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Good job, girls. <laughs> <laughs> Now, high testosterone people, women as well as men, mm -hmm. but there's many more men in that category. Um, Our directors. They, yeah, directors. Yeah. They don't they don't read uh, posture, gestures, tone of voice very well. They mm -hmm. just, as a result, they, and they're very tough-minded, so they're likely to tell you what they think. Yeah. Whereas women, the high estrogen type, not only reads posture, gesture, tone of voice, but we have a tremendous sense of empathy. We want to level the playing field. We don't live in a rank-oriented uh, world the way uh, men do, a lot of testosterone yeah. men do. And so we're eager to please. And, um, I mean, women don't hit you in the face. They stab you in the back, but they don't right. hit you in the face. Right. And so, I mean, I'm constantly just sort of backing out, smiling, right? As opposed to saying what I really, what mm -hmm. I really think. It was so interesting. I, I, you know, I have a girlfriend who's very high testosterone, and we met down in the village, I don't know, a few weeks ago, for lunch. And I walked in, and she said, "Where'd you get that purse?" <laughs> and I said, "Oh, I bought it in the street." Mm -hmm. and she said, "It looks like it. Looks uh, cheap." Uh, and generally, I just let this flow I, yeah I, what the hell I, yeah. I don't need to have a fight about it this time I got I said come on man you know I, I like the per I mean I, I fought back yeah what was interesting about it was that after she said oh I just was trying to be useful to tell you right I right and um so she's working on a different system and what the what was really interesting to me was that it was all over for her you know, she kissed, we kissed goodbye, you know, hugged yeah. her, and then she never thought about it again. I went home for three days and said to myself, why did you bark back, right. Helen? Why did you? Because that's not me. Yes. We can act out of character. Yeah. It's just mm -hmm. tiring. Yes. Yeah. And I think that extroverts, of course, are better at, at, at that than it. I mean, I, I'm, I happen to be an introvert, so yeah. I can ruminate forever. Me too, me too. That's high estrogen. We call it spinning. Um, <laughs> do you? Yeah, That's we do. That's a very good term. Yeah. Is that just your term? No, I think it's a lot of therapists have said it to the both of us. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just well, that's estrogen. Yeah, that, oh, no, uh, we're very... ruminating. Is that my boyfriend doesn't ruminate? Yeah, these people they live in a different world. Our dad is director. He's 100%. like solve the problem. Solve the problem. Okay, and we're I done. can be very direct. And then the other two types are explorers who have high in dopamine, norepinephrine, and they're very curious. And then builders who are high in serotonin. And you can be a combination, obviously, of their brain systems. Their so brain we're systems. all a combination yeah. of all of them. Now, for example. Um, in these 14 million people who took the questionnaire, yes, high dopamine are risk-taking, novelty-seeking, curious, creative, spontaneous, energetic, mentally flexible people. They're drawn to people like themselves. Mm -hmm. High ser Me. And the, uh, I think so. Yeah. Maybe. Probably both. I don't know. Yeah, you too. I was a negotiator and an explorer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Did you take the test? So was I. I did. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, what, what did you? I haven't taken it. Yeah. I would guess that both of you were both of those. Mm. Um... um but uh, <laughs> same voices, That's same good. personalities. <laughs> I think this is very cool. You guys are cool. <laughs> You're the coolest. Yeah, one hundred percent. I don't know about that, but anyway. Um, so another story. So my boyfriend, um, he's a big writer in New York. Mm -hmm. and all that. But anyway, we both high dopamine, risk taking, yeah. novelty seeking, curious, creative, spontaneous, and and that works perfectly. Yeah, he's very high testosterone, and I'm very high estrogen. That's another natural match. 
I'm empathetic. He's not empathetic. Right. He's a techie. I mean, my house is wired with Alexa and you name it. Uh Uh-huh. And so that works out very well, too. So in those two cases, uh, it's a very symbiotic thing. He's higher on the serotonin scale. So traditional, conventional, follows the rules, respects authority, more cautious. Mm -hmm. And um, we were going to the movies down in the village, I don't know, a couple months ago. And I said to him, I said, sweetie, do you have any um, water in your backpack? He said, yeah. I said, oh, good. We can uh, drink it in the movies. Mm -hmm. He said, no, we can't. You can't bring food or drink yeah, into yeah, a yeah. movie. Yes, you have to buy it at the concession stand. <laughs> yeah. I said, mother, oh my fucking bees. Yeah. That is hilarious. <laughs> Me and my friend bring snacks into the movies all the time. You can put a bowl so it looks like you're is pregnant that, uh, and fill it with snacks. It's a meme. You do? That's very nice. I love it. <laughs> um, but, I mean, what's so beautiful? I mean, a psychologist will say, oh, it's his childhood. Oh, this... Not everything is your childhood. I seem to be yeah. a, a, a person of one who's thinking, we are so... It's almost medicated with therapy and psychology and everything is your mother's fault and your children's fault. Sometimes it's who it's you are. It's just who you are. I know. One of my friends, uh, Mike Kaplan, amazing comedian, he made a joke. What about going back in time and just raising Hitler right instead of killing him as a baby or whatever, <laughs> you know? And uh, I was like, but some babies are just They're assholes. Just, yeah. they That's just, exactly just right. like who that. they are. That's exactly right. I know somebody who got a psych evaluation at two, and it said he has a... Uh, like borderline personality Borderline disorder. personality <laughs> disorder and um, anti-authority uh, yeah. complex. He's probably high dopamine. Crazy kid. You know, he's probably Asshole. high dopamine. Can't do anything <laughs> with him. Um, I was wondering, so you have these brain types. Um, and some of them are attracted styles, to people. Yeah. Styles, and, yeah. And we're all a combination of all of them. I've never met two people who I thought were alike, and I'm an identical twin. Mm-hmm. No two people are exactly alike. But there's patterns to nature, patterns to culture, and patterns to personality. So that's what we're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Are there ones? So I know that there are patterns who tend to end up together. The creatives end up together, the but creatives. they also like like you you balance out with opposites as well. Right, but uh, um, uh, 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 dopamine goes for dopamine. Mm-hmm. Risk-taking, novelty-seeking, curious, creative goes for people like themselves. High serotonin also goes for people like themselves. Mitt Romney and Anne would be a good mm-hmm. example. Mm-hmm. Uh, our vice president, Pen- uh, Karen and Mike uh, uh, Pence, Pence and mother, mother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and of course uh, Hillary and Bill Clinton. She's, I think, the high testosterone. Yes. And yeah. he is the high estrogen. He said that he cried at yeah. Chelsea's wedding and she didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not only that, but, you know, he wants everybody to like him. Yeah. Uh, he feels everybody's pain. Every whole world knows he can't stop talking. He's, <laughs> you know, he's he's quite charismatic. Mm-hmm. She's not. Yeah. Um, um, she wanted to be a Marine. <laughs> you know, I mean, and when somebody asked her why she went for Bill, she said because he wasn't afraid of me. Right now, I wouldn't I wouldn't dawn on me to say because he wasn't afraid of me. So that's a high testosterone kind. Yeah, uh, Margaret Thatcher, probably Angela Merkel, although mm-hmm. I really haven't studied her. Um, uh, yeah, do you think? But those that's what work it is. Out? Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. No, you mm-hmm. go ahead. Well, I was wondering. They tend to gravitate towards certain people are those also the ones that tend to have higher success in relationships that's something that i hope your generation finds out Mm. i've only i've only had one graduate student do a study of long-term marriages and they did find that but he never even published this paper uh that two high dopamines create a very stable marriage two high serotonins traditional uh made a stable marriage and two man being the high testosterone, woman being the high testosterone, being also stable. But what I I give a lot of speeches to couples therapists, and what I really like to know is in these long-term relationships. But, you know, there's all kinds of cultural things, too. Now, for example, let's say a real playboy uh, man, uh, you know, and now he's in his late 40s. He's tired of going out a million times with a million different women. Mm -hmm. And he meets a nursery school teacher. Very high serotonin, traditional, conventional. He's ready to settle down. He now needs a home. He needs family. He needs he needs rituals and routines because he's sick of it. So, okay, they may be, and she probably needs somebody to put a fire under her. Yeah. And if that's the case and they continue to respect each other, it could be a very nice marriage. Yeah. But the day may come when he says, let's go up Mount Everest with the baby. And she says, what the hell are you talking about? I'm not doing that with my baby. You know. (laughs) So, um, 
I, I, I mean, there's much that goes into relationships. I mean, some people need money or fame or comforts in other ways, and mm-hmm. people provide things who don't have exactly the same personality style, but they're willing to overlook the negative and yeah. focus on, on what they need. So it's, it's comp- I mean, I'm sure you both know people, you know, couples, and you've looked at them and said, what do they have? Yeah. <laughs> where, yeah, where definitely. Particularly the high testosterone and the high estrogen. You see some guy who's a real blunder, you know, I mean, he's just tough-minded and a pain mm-hmm. in the neck, and he's got this sweet, charming little wife. Well, what are they doing? Well, I study them, mm-hmm. this kind of people, and they're going to have very good conversations. She's going to bring the big picture. Mm-hmm. He's going to bring the all of the details. Uh, 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 she's he's she's going to be indecisive. He's going to be very decisive. Mm-hmm. So what I talk about in my book on this, uh, why him, why her, and other things too, is you know. It's complicated, and there's all kinds of reasons you fall for somebody, and uh, and some personalities can mesh in ways that nobody else would. You would really have know. no idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is one story that I laughed so hard at, and then I said, "Oh no, that is exactly like one of my stand-up jokes." Um, so that was a fun feeling. But the Rick, <laughs> the rickshaw story, yeah. um, is so great, and I think. She should tell it. You should tell they it. Okay. Yes, <laughs> if you would. Uh, absolutely, I love telling this. Okay, story. Um, <clears throat> and it's true. It's a true story. It's amazing. Yeah. So it was this uh, young guy, and he was a student of a friend of mine, and he had gone uh, in PhD student, and he had gone to uh, Beijing mm-hmm. uh, for a conference there, and he um, knew that uh, novelty can drive up the dopamine system in the brain and push you over the threshold into falling in love. Mm-hmm. He was madly in love with this other graduate student. She was not in love with him. So he decided that he would take her on a rickshaw ride around Beijing. And they went. And, um, uh, you know, they were weaving between, I mean, buses and and donkeys and <laughs> carts and wheelchairs, everything, wheeling, you know, and yeah. it was we- weaving from side to side and honking and the noise and the congestion. And, uh, anyway, so, and she began to squeal and put her arm around him and laughing and he thought to himself, it's oh, happening. it's happening. <laughs> I'm driving up the dome she's going to fall for me. So they get down, finally get back to the hotel and they get down from the rickshaw. She throws up her hands and she says, wasn't that wonderful and wasn't that rickshaw driver handsome <laughs> i love it's it the best story but ever. how similar is it to my oxytocin it's dog joke totally it's can you same. tell the oxytocin dog joke so essentially i was i say in my stand-up and if you guys have ever come to see me you've already seen this joke sorry and if you haven't come to see me why haven't you come to see me um but basically I looked up, why am I falling in love with all these guys and they're not falling in love with me back? And Google told me it's because of oxytocin. Um, And oxytocin makes you feel more attached to another person. Um, And Google that day also said that men feel more oxytocin, leave them, instead of when during sex, it's when they're looking at a dog for the first time. Mm -hmm. So I said, ooh, that's great. And I started changing up my boning tactics. And the next time I was having sex with my boyfriend, I said, are you about to finish? He said, yes. I said, great. And I took my dog from under my pillow. I said, now look at my dog. Now look at me. Now look at my dog. Now look at me. And then we fell in love together because I tricked him. (laughs) What kind of dog? Maybe I'll borrow it. It's not real. It's a joke, you guys. I have a cat. No, I did figure. I did figure yeah, it was, a, yeah. it was a, a stuffed animal. Oh no, it's a, it's a, it's a, I yeah, I own a cat. Her name is Grace, and she is not personable. Um, she's very obese. She's very obese. But yeah, that uh, cat's put like, up with us. That's a similar. Yeah, she tolerates me. Yeah. And that's love. <laughs> that is love. Um, oh, this I thought was so funny. Um, oh, you, I know what you're gonna say. Really? Yeah, go. Then you say it. No, you, no you finished my sentence. No, do it. Just say it. I'm going to look on okay. you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, were talking about um, how there are a lot of people who practice polygamy, or there are a lot of people who are in... Polyam- polyamory. Poly- no, no. Or polygamy. Polygony. 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 Oh, the ones who polygony. 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 Isn't that polygamy? 
Yes, polygamy is ami is many spouses. Many spouses. Uh, polygyny, yeah. gyny, is many women with one okay. man. Okay. And polyandry is many men, men with, with one, one woman. woman. I but know what you're gonna do. No, Highlands of New Guinea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many? How many? Women, how many wives do you want? <laughs> yeah. True story. Yeah. In polygyny, when men are allowed to have more than one wife, right? Like most of them don't. They don't no. take advantage of... Well, of, no, you have to have a lot of resources. Yeah. Women, women aren't going to share unless he's got so much dough. So many, I yeah. mean, he's got to have a lot of pigs, a lot of goats, a lot of chickens, a lot of mm-hmm. land, a lot of fruit trees, uh, be powerful, have money, have status, etc. I mean, we're, we aren't built to share, you know. For, right. We're a pair-bonding animal. You know, 97% of mammals uh, do not pair up to rear their young. Only about 3% do. And we are among them. We do, oh. the wild dogs do, a little African antelope does, beavers do. But you, you, you've got, it's a very strange ecological circumstances mm. that, that drive a species to become a pair-bonding creature. Uh, this is not to say that we're necessarily sexually faithful to our partners, right. but we form pair-bonds. Penguins? All, uh, 90% of the birds and oh really? Ninety percent of the birds, yeah, but they're like like a robin in Central Park. It's only seasonal, you know. They meet in the spring. What? They they form a pair bond. And they raise something together and the for ra- the season. Babies, baby, babies fly away, and the pair bond breaks up. Why? Somebody has to continually sit on those eggs, uh-huh. and that individual will starve to death unless they form a pair and do the job together. So only uh, so among birds yeah, yeah, yeah. who do like. Mice don't bother. Female mouse doesn't bother to form a pair bond. She's got very thick milk. Uh-huh. She she feeds her babies, leaves them in the den. They conk out from all the fat in the milk, and she goes and feeds herself. So so that's a need too. Base. I mean, it's like, a basic need. It's a basic need. Yeah, we are a pair bonding species. Yeah. Now, so we are a series, a what series story? of them. The oh, I just want her to have it on the mic so that oh. people can hear what. Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. man said. Okay. Well, it was so interesting. I was in the Highlands of New Guinea. I mean, I was traveling in a... I mean, I've never seen it, such a beat-up van. And and there were about five men in it. I was sitting on an old, turned-over oil canister that was so rusty. You could see the ground underneath you. You know, I mean, there's so many holes in the bottom of that van. Anyway, the bottom line is there were several <laughs> men in the van, and one of them spoke English, and enough English. And um, I learned that he had um, three wives. Mm-hmm. So I said to him, I said, oh, how many wives would you like to have? And there was this long pause. And I thought to myself, is he going to say five? Mm-hmm. Is he going to say 10? Is he going to say 25? And he leaned toward me and he said, none. <laughs> <laughs> it's a headache. Yeah. Several yeah. wives is a headache. It's and a- then another guy chimed in, which I've never said this before. And he said, yes, you can never have two wives. Because every time you're out of town, mm-hmm. that wife knows where you are. You have to have one or three or more because we're a jealous animal. Ah. Even in even in cultures where everybody expects uh, polygyny, uh, it's part of the whole yeah. cultural context. Um, people, it's like you know that your jealous. parents are supposed to love your siblings too, but you want to be their favorite. There you go. Yeah. Um, we were talking about what you had said about jealousy too, because I know a sex drive is the thing that gets you out there to go reproduce with a bunch of people. Yeah. Uh, love drive is a thing that has you focus on. And then once you love them, you become romantically in love with them. You become sexually possessive. Yes. So I was saying to Charlotte, I was like, yeah, I always thought jealousy meant that you like, like them so like that. You know, if somebody acts really jealous with you, that means they love you a lot. But right. isn't that also like? Could it just be them just trying to absolutely spread their seed a little bit and have or what? <laughs> no, for for women, jealousy often came from wanting to protect your baby and have that man yeah provide yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah no yeah. question about so it. it doesn't, yeah, does it necessarily mean you love them, or you just want, or you just to have a successful? Birth, yeah, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, a lot of people have married not for love, but for all kinds of economic yeah. reasons yep. that are essential to their survival and the survival of their offspring. Yeah. Um, 
Um, but you know, you asked about people. I've never only met three people who had uh, really never felt romantic love. Mm-hmm. And all three of them, strangely enough, said exactly the same thing to me. All of them married well. Mm-hmm. All of them had great children and good educations and very productive people. They felt a deep attachment for their spouse. They clearly had sex with their spouse. But they'd never felt romantic love. And all three of them fell in love with somebody, not their partner, mm-hmm. not their spouse, in, in middle age, in their late 50s. And um, all three of them said basically the same thing to me. They said, you know what, Helen? I never really understood Romeo and Juliet. Um. I never really got it. Now I do. None of them left their long-term attached partner for the romance. But all three of them stayed in the romance for two to three years trying to resolve this with themselves before they left. Mm. And uh, so, you know... Uh, unless you've got some sort of pituitary problem or other kinds of problems with the brain, this is natural. I mean, anthropologists have looked in over 200 societies. I mean, around the world, we've got myths, mm-hmm. legends, yeah. poems, songs, plays, uh, operas, uh, symphonies, uh, ballets. Moulin Rouge. Holidays. <laughs> Moulin Rouge. <laughs> you name it. Moulin Rouge just loves love so much. Yeah. Um, I... I thought one thing was very interesting that you were talking about um, developing trust, basically, people who are very high in estrogen. Um, it's just, how did it evolve if, you know, you trust the wrong person and you're screwed, basically? Right. How does trust develop? Because we are so willing to trust people. Yeah, and if love is like a blind thing where you ignore things, like, how does it keep coming back? It's really a smart <laughs> question. Um, uh, I talk about this in my lectures. Did did you get that, or did that just come out of your brain? I just asked that. That's really that smart. <laughs> very, very. <laughs> yeah, because you. I don't think I've been <laughs> on the airwaves with that one. So that's really smart. <laughs> because anthropologists have always wondered, why could we have evolved um, this uh, tendency to trust? Now, by the way, it's the high estrogen that does the trusting. Mm-hmm. Um, high testosterone people, the director, uh, is is very skeptical. Um, they are untrusting. Whereas the high estrogen is trusting. I, I'm very high estrogen. I will trust mm-hmm. until proven otherwise. Yeah. Whereas and then I'll still trust you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, I know. I've been there. But um, I then read an article that... Um, uh, so anthropologists have not really been able to explain why the evolution of trust, why we would have this spontaneous feeling of trust. But then I read an article that said that um, uh, if you trust the right person you save a great deal of metabolic energy. Mm-hmm. And what is the high estrogen kind of person? We are able to read your posture, your gesture, your tone of voice. We pick up um, from your body stance, uh, you know, all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. We see the big picture. We see you in context. We're very good. High estrogen people are very good at getting into somebody else's head. That's women's figuring. intuition. Exactly. Ah, so we're just better at it. We're just better at so it. We're not spending a ton of energy you're, on it because yeah. we're good at it. You're better at it. Uh, and so we're. We and have there's more. high estrogen men too, though. That, yeah. There's no question about it. We love it. you. That's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, and so yeah. So that's how it could have evolved. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that so interesting? interesting. So well done, cool. Charlotte. Thank you. Great Thank you. job, Charlotte. Great <laughs> and job, Robin. You're just doing a great job. Thank you. <laughs> um, oh, but I have a question. I we both are very acquainted with the feelings of being in love. Charlotte and I are like instant lovers. Like I often wonder if I'm in love or obsessed. But basically, one thing that you said was that when you're in love with someone, one of the symptoms is that you think about them all the time. Yes. It's an obsession. Is, it is. Does an it have to be positive thoughts, though? If th- is thinking about somebody all the time negatively, does that mean you secretly love them or something like that? Well, you know, love and hate are very closely related. Uh, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. indifference. Mm. Yeah. And so, bottom line is, if you're spending a lot of time hating somebody, I don't know if you I mean if you really hate them, you're certainly not in love with them. Right. You know, I mean, you can hate your boss or you can hate a girlfriend, and you're or not in love no. with them. You know, so they're they're different emotions, and they and they run along different pathways. But the pathways in the brain, yeah, are uh, they're both. I mean, when you think about it, when you're really hate somebody you're 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 engaged right uh, you're obsessed yeah you're focused you have high energy 
you're motivated. And in the same way with romantic love. But with, when you hate somebody, you don't want to send them cookies unless they're poison cookies. You right. Know? You, you, right. You wanna, so so the, it's going to be different. It's a different experience. But sure. uh, I would imagine if you really... I guess it would be what kind of hate would you have? Well, I, mean, like I almost feel like it's jealousy. jealousy. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that kind of hate reminds me of self-hate almost. Yeah. Mm. That you're projecting it yeah. on them. Just I don't know. That could just be too psyche. Yeah, you could. That's pretty psyche. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Freshman psych rears its ugly head. Um, you guys are wonderful. <laughs> We're okay. Oh. Oh. But one thing we wanted to know... Um, People still in love for a long time show deactivation in areas of the brain that are associated with a sense of self. That Isn't seemed that interesting? So scary. Scary and bad. Yeah. Because, mm. I mean, on one hand, beautiful. You're like a unit. You're one and the same when you're together. What happens when you lose that person, whether you, know, you break up or they, God forbid, they die? Yeah. yeah. What happens to your sense of self? Um, it's you've got to restructure things. I mean, you know, I think that the sense of self really is more, the, uh, loss of sense of self is a little bit more in the beginning mm. when you incorporate, and so much poetry is about that too. Even Freud said that, you know, the uh, the sense of self, you incorporate the other person instead mm-hmm. of like, oh, geez, you know, I'm going to buy this for dinner. Oh, geez, what's he going to like for dinner? Yeah. Yeah. What should we do together for tonight? You know, you, you you do lose yourself in the other person, which is a good uh, adapt, Darwinian adaptation. If you're going to raise babies together, you got to create some sort of unity. But I do think that as the relationship goes on, you begin to find yourself again. And mm-hmm. you think, you know, I really never did like... Um, I don't know that you know Mexican food or, uh, and uh, it can be honest about it. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not being cool. Girl You're not cool. Yeah. You love me exactly. Yeah, I you, used to you, pretend you, I partied. Lol, <laughs> I don't. Um, yeah. Oh shoot! Oh god! I have to ask. I know what you do. You mind? We ask everybody their first time orgasming experience oh i was all prepared for this oh my god okay great <laughs> hooray no i wasn't prepared for my first time but i can simply remember it yeah. i mean i i mean i wasn't prepared for you to ask me about my first oh, time yes it was very strange really well the reason it was strange is because i was really i mean you know my generation i'm a baby boomer we got it on yeah long before we married uh-huh uh but it, it but it was right after i i got married i was absolutely astonished Oh, weird. It was like my wedding night. And I think it was, the only thing, and talk about psych, I think maybe I let my... Just let it go. Barrier down. Yeah. Now, I only um, was married to the guy for... I was only married to the guy for six months. I I didn't... I got out of that pretty rapidly. Yeah. (laughs) But um, I was very astonished at that. I don't think the young girls really know much about it. I, I hope your generation talks more about it we're trying you know. starting to yeah. yeah because you really have it's very easy for men yes particularly young men and it's much harder for young women and you've really got to often figure it out yourself first yeah completely. and then you got to tell the man what you want right and and uh and, and it's and it's hard to do that and it was very interesting i was once studying a gigolo I didn't use the gigolo. I don't need to use gigolos. Mm. But I was making a speech to a pile of hookers, actually, New York sex mm-hmm. workers, and there was one man a in pile. the pile. A pile. <laughs> they were just laying on top of each other. Kimbo. <laughs> there were like 23 of them. They were down in the meatpacking district. It was long ago, sometime ago. And there was one man, good-looking man in his 40s, you know, wearing loafers, looked like a California guy, uh, tall, thin, uh, preppy-looking guy. And he came up to me and he propositioned me. Mm. And I, I thought he was just the boyfriend of some some girl you know i never dawned on me it was a jiggle yeah and i said you know i i i, I don't uh, pay for sex and uh, it doesn't turn me on don't need to but i do pay for dinner <laughs> so could you go out for dinner with me i'd like to know what you do yeah yeah how you do it but anyway he said a lot of things that were very interesting but one of them was that he said you know helen there's only one difference between a gigolo and a regular man and i said what and he said gigolos listen mm. huh. and that's what regular men need to ask yeah. yeah. And then listen. Yeah. But the woman has got to know what she yeah. likes yeah. And, and then tell them. And one thing that I think is very interesting is um, with my guy now, I mean, we make love all the time. Woo. and um, uh, But we also have, um, you don't have to come. Yeah. Right. 
It's just the enjoyment of and the experience. So, and there's no big deal if you don't come. And so taking that pressure off of it is, I think, absolutely essential. Yeah. Then it gives you enough time to really come if yeah. you feel yeah. like coming. Yeah. And, and no, you know, no bad payoffs, you know, if you, if you don't. And for him, too. Yeah. And so we've got to just make it a more relaxed yeah, and it's so mental for women. Yeah. It's so mental for women. Yeah. And you got to get into your fantasies if you got them. You got to find new fantasies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Fantasies are perfectly fine. Everybody but I don't know, I once read that 70% of people use fantasies. I don't know why there's more, but uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but uh uh just do it safely. Yeah, do it do it safe. Oh my and god. Have well, nice that's nice open communication. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And take the pressure off. Figure yeah. out what you like. Yeah. And keep at it. You'll figure it out. Yeah. The older all- women uh, are much better at it. It's, it's the young that uh, ha- have to learn that. Right. We ha- Yeah. We've got a lot of teaching to do. I know. And learning. All stuff that's going to come up, though, on this season. Of how come. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been... The best. the best talk ever. Thank, Thank you, you so much for being here. Um, can you tell all of our listeners where they can buy your book, where they can find your TED Talks, all of that stuff, where they can follow you online? On the internet. Um, on the internet. Helen Fisher, F-I-S-H-E-R. Dot um, com? Yeah. And oh, also um, <laughs> theanatomyoflove.com. That's, mm-hmm. that's another website. Oh, yeah. that. Where can we take the test so you can find um, out? I've, I've got to go take a look. I think it is on, well, it's in my book, Why Him, Why yeah, Her. Yeah, okay, perfect. It's also in my most recent book, Anatomy of Love, Second Edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all over the internet. Yeah, she has okay. six books. So just yeah. okay. I'll give her a quick yeah, Google. We'll, we'll come post up. all the links. <laughs> You're actually probably looking at the links right now. <laughs> I hope um, so. Thank you to our mm-hmm. intern. Okay, just kidding. We don't have one. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> no, thank you so much for being here. Well, um, you guys are memorable. <laughs> Dr. Helen Fisher, this has been wonderful. I do have to ask you this as a courteous host of a sexual experience. Did you finish? (laughs) (laughs) All the time. Amazing. (laughs) Thank you for coming. And we'll see you next time on How Come. Bye. Bye. Thank you. It's not you, it's me. I try so hard to finish honestly. They say you'll know when you go all the way from A right down to O. Oh, no. I think that I still got a ways to go. Oh, oh, I'm sick of this and I have got to know. How come? How come? How come I can't achieve? How come I can't achieve? I'm rolling up my sleeves. I'm rolling up my sleeves. Oh, baby, I believe these guests can help. Cause I can't do it by myself. I wanna just.